It's funny, even I had this global attention with this illustration contest, right? I submitted this folio that I created where I was like, this is me. And I ended up getting second. I got runner-up in this contest. Right. And it was a huge deal to me at the time. But it was such a big lesson in my life because it's huge to me. I thought everyone was going to know about this. Like, this is going to be broadcast everywhere. And then I think I had a list of like 60 people of all these agencies like all around the world that I wanted to try and work with or people that I want. Just connects. And nothing. I think I got one like lead that never really went anywhere but it just taught me that like that exposure and hype and everything it sort of led to stuff afterwards because people then could go oh yeah that's also like a little feather in the cap but yeah. I think the real value in it was actually the hustle to get to that point you know so because I'd worked so hard to get a folio together it, it really like leveled up my skill and then felt maybe a bit more authentic for what I was about G'day, this is Living the Dream, a podcast from Gage Roads where you'll hear from people who are all about going after what they love. We'll chat to photographers, musos, surfers, designers, a range of people who are living life their way. All right, this week, illustrator, designer, artist, Chris Nixon. Now, Chris does a lot of different stuff from children's books to public murals. He's super creative, and I think that variety probably keeps him pretty busy as well, always on a search for balance we are talking about before. But he's someone we love here at Gage. We're stoked to have his work running along one of the back walls here at Gage Roads Frio with a mural that's a fitting tribute to our home here in Fremantle. Chris, g'day. G'day. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to see you. What was it like coming back here today? Did you have a little sneaky look at your work and has it been a while since you've seen it it well it's only been a couple of weeks because i've come uh, down to have a beer and hang out with <laughs> some crew but it was cool being back here in the morning i haven't been down for a beer in the morning so um just seeing the light reminded of the time when i was installing yeah it was cool do you go back and look at your work often sometimes it's weird you sort of have like a disconnect i reckon of when you did it to when you come back and see the space because you just see it when you're doing it usually doing it when it's just base and no one's around and it's just like in construction but when you come back and it's active that's what it's meant to be and so you sort of feel it you see it in a different light and um yeah I, I mean i love it every time i see this one this one particularly like really connects with me because i felt like i got to do what i wanted to do on the project as well but also happen to hit the brief and also work with what gauge is about so i was i was stoked with this one for sure is that always a tough balance? So thinking about your own creativity and what you're trying to bring to the table with a piece of public art, but then also about what the client is, is trying to achieve? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's the challenge, I reckon. It's like you've got, you're kind of creating this narrative that works for you, but also for the client. And so that's what I love about it. I actually really enjoy working to a brief. I think that's what makes it interesting and challenging. And um, it's like being creative within these parameters. You know, you've got these guidelines and you've got to hit this. And there's so many options and, and different ways you can take it that could really hit the mark. But I'm kind of finding the one that works best for me and for the client. So I'm sort of getting that balance right. But um, yeah, I, that's what I love about it. I think that's what's great about my job. It's probably a tough one to navigate even when you're just communicating about it, right? Because the things you're talking about, there's certain ways to interpret them. So you might think mm -hmm. a brief is one thing, but then when it gets through that concept stage, you might find that you and someone else are on different pages. Does it, does it ever turn yeah. out like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, if that's the case, then I can often like reverse brief. You can see the red flags, like a few signals earlier of like, we're not on the same page, just in the communications right. early days. So yeah, so you're like, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll say here's some direction. This is what I'm thinking generally. And then we can go backwards and forwards a bit until we get into the concept stuff. That's just learning mistakes, man. Like that was <laughs> That's just burning some time over the years. But I was going to say, there's probably a few air miles in that, right? Yeah, I think like for me, I probably used to spend so much time on the concepts. Like I'd really, I do spend a lot of time on concepts now, but I think I'm just way more efficient because I can self-edit way quicker than I used to. And I'd explore like, multiple options and go oh this would be good and then this could be good and i now i just put forward what i think would be good and then we've got a conversation we've got a starting point and that i think that's the way to do it yeah Um, yeah i want to talk more about the public art stuff and mm -hmm. what you did here at the venue too in a minute but going back to the start a little bit i was interested to see that you kind of kick things off with kids books and Mm. and illustrating Mm -hmm. was that a plan or did that just kind of happen yeah, it's a pretty strange way to get into this, I think. Well, I wouldn't say strange, just maybe unique in that I was at uni, I was studying at Curtin and I was studying, um, I started studying animation actually. I wanted to work in film, right? Uh, yeah, and motion. And so I was doing like a motion graphics course um, for the first year and then I pretty quickly realised that that's just sitting behind a computer. It's funny, that's kind of what I do a lot of the time now, <laughs> but sitting behind a computer and going like, you know, just just tedious kind of work and very, very tight, like changes and everything's quite strict. But then I found, found that I really liked the conceptual side of that. So doing, like coming up with the visions and the style and the art direction, which was illustration. So it just took me a while to figure that out. But once I figured that out, I was doing a whole bunch of like sort of graphic novel type sort of work and then uh, just had a particular tutor who was really into that. Uh, it was cool. I quite enjoyed it. But I also found that like it maybe wasn't necessarily reflecting me. So then I had a guest lecturer come in and she's, she just pulled me aside and said, Look, it sort of seems like you're not like that kind of person. Like, it's really dark work. Um, and just like, just a bit like, you know, usual kind of boy intensity stuff. And then she was like, maybe just try and do this light fluffy thing. And she was a, um, a children's book author. Right. She said, have you ever thought about doing those? And I was like, no, not really. But like I used to love kids' books, like as everybody does. Everyone's got their favourites and, you know. And then it's funny because when she said that, I was like, yeah, but I I love like animated kids' films. I love those because I love the art and the craft of it. And then I decided to write and illustrate my own book for a graduate exhibition. And then a publisher just came to the graduate exhibition and said, you know, we've got – it was as simple as this. We've got a script for this book called Crocodile Cake. I'd drawn a crocodile. And they're like, you're right, you're in. Yeah, you're you a cake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yours. Um, so that was like that was the beginning. And then it just opened up my whole world to that. So the first year out of uni, I was like, well, I don't I was being I was a tour guide at the time and I was just like on the road. So I was like illustrating after hours on the road and um, putting this book together. I was like, I'll just take the year to make this book and just I'll learn as a project like how to do this. And then, you know, it was I guess it was kind of a success, maybe locally and, and around Australia. And then that turned into uh, another book and another book and another book and I just went into it. And then, long story short, came back around where uh, Writing WA were just looking for that. I think they were asked about this public art project that was up in the Pilbara and they were asked if they had any illustrators that might be good a good fit to sort of slide into painting or, or work on a bigger scale and they just put me forward for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love painting. I kind of forgot that I used to do all of that. And like growing up, I was always doing it. And then um, just went hard and committed to that project and ended up getting that project. And it was my first project. And it bankrolled like a big holiday for me and everything. And I was like, this is where I need to be like putting some attention. So, yeah. Yeah. Was that the moment where you thought, 
this is more than something that I love doing that might be on the side and mm. like this is actually what I can do day to day. So not only can it be something that I enjoy doing, but it can actually be the thing that, you know, keeps me keeps me going. Yeah, I think I've always been pretty aware as a business, like thinking about art as a business for me because I, I wanted it as a career. So I, it had to be sustainable. And then I thought about it pretty much from the start. I was like, you know, I'm, I've got five years and my goal was at five years it needs to be sustainable. <laughs> and how could it be sustainable? And I had all these, like, you know, I did heaps of planning with it. But I was like, the, the biggest point was I can't be the only one looking for work for myself because it's taking me away from actually creating. Yeah. So I ended up, um, that was the goal, is I need a manager or somebody else that would have, or just managing different streams of work so that there were lots of opportunities and, and spreading that out. And so to begin with, I thought that was like such a, um, a bad thing in my career really was that I, I was jumping into kids' books and I was doing like murals and I was doing other things. Then I realised it was a strength because the, the industries will change and things will go. There's all these ebbs and flows and I'll be able to jump between them and keep them all moving at once. Um, so once I embraced it as a strength is when it, I think, really took off to be something where I could just stoke that little one there and there and there and keep those streams moving. Yeah. Yeah, so initially were you, were you concerned that people would see you as like less creative or yeah. uh, maybe your your reasons for doing things weren't as pure as, you know, the work itself and all those kind of things? Yeah, probably. I mean, the other thing was I felt like I would do a kid's book, like a picture book, and then I would go and do a mural and the styles were different and I was thinking, well, I won't be known for this single style but – I thought that was a, a weakness, but then I realised like that's just how I jump between things. Uh, not that I am restless or anything, but I like being able to jump between all of them and it's a strength. So it keeps it fresh and interesting and exciting for me to jump across all these projects. So once the same thing, once I embraced it and was like, yeah, this is the way to do it. I'm not chasing a single style. But the, the irony is that like by doing that and jumping through all these streams, they're sort of converging and now they're at a point where they are actually like really nicely i think merged and yeah. i can explore them yeah there's a couple of interesting points there i reckon because i'm always mm. interested in this style question you yeah. know with people who do what you do how do you figure out your vibe how do you figure out your style is it a, a conscious thing does it kind of just happen and for you you're saying that there was a few different things that you were doing and they almost went through the funnel and now it's mm. kind of spat out to to what your your art and your creativity is yeah, I think I think style is kind of it's like a product of um, maybe your taste and then like your experience over time. Yeah. And so I was trying to bring in like my interests and influences, and then somehow bring that into my art. And so once I did that first big project up in the Pilbara, and then I went away and I was away for six months, and I was like, I'm going on this big holiday. And when I was away, it was the thought of coming back and just jumping straight back into picture books. And I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll probably still do that. But I started thinking about like, you know, I wanted to work in the, in the music industry or the film industry or whatever I was wanting to do. And here's a list of people I wanted to work with. And this is the kind of style. And I just started sketching from the start again, almost sort of five years in. Well, I think it was probably like four or five years in then rebooting everything and then going, I need to like get a bit of a folio together that feels like me and that's how I it sort of took off in a different path so like one of the key goals was I wanted to work in the surf industry because it was just my interests yeah and I want to 
do what I love doing anyway and make that my job. And then that just connected and I just, you know, I think when you start like putting that out there, then people see that stuff and then they're like, okay, we want to connect with you on that and maybe you could do that. And it was just like a, just being open to those conversations and, and that's how I started working in that industry. Is that one of the things that's worked for you, you think, that you've put yourself out there? So yeah. instead of just waiting for the work to always come yeah. to you, you've thought about, okay, I want to work here and I'm going to do some things to try and make that happen. Yeah, it's funny. I'm it definitely was, you know, really on that level to begin with of like I need to make this happen. Like people aren't just going to find you and come and get you. You, it, It's funny, even I had this global attention with this illustration contest, right, that happened uh, when I was trying to find a manager and I put in, I submitted this folio that I created where I was like, this is me. And I ended up getting second. I got runner up in this contest. Right. And it was a huge deal to me at the time, but it was such a big lesson in my life because it's huge to me. I thought everyone was going to know about this. Like this is going to be broadcast everywhere. And then you're looking at the phone going, it's going to start. Yeah. yeah. yeah, And and then I dude, I was doing like, you know, I think I had a list of like 60 people of all these agencies, like all around the world that I wanted to try and work with or people that I want just connects. And everyone was like, yeah, I was literally cold calling people at night time and waking up, setting alarms at really odd hours to like call these people and, and nothing. I think I got one like lead that never really went anywhere, but out of those 60 calls. And it just taught me that like that exposure and hype and everything it sort of led to stuff afterwards because people then could go, oh, yeah, that's also like a little feather in the cap. And it's a credibility thing there, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think the real value in it was actually the hustle to get to that point. You know, so because I'd worked so hard to get a folio together, it, it really like leveled up my skill and then felt maybe a bit more authentic for what I was about. And so when I was going to have conversations with people then, like after that, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, you have grown, like, what you've been doing. Because I'd, I'd hit them up, like, a year before and they'd just brush me off. That's so interesting. So yeah. when you look back on it now, it wasn't necessarily the result that you achieved. Not but at it was all. the work that you put in for the competition yeah. that grew you. And I'm glad I didn't win because the, the winner, <laughs> like, what, what would happen to the winner is that they would get taken to all these agencies around New York. You would go straight into an, an advertising lane. Okay. And that would be a very different lane to what I wanted to do. But I thought that's what I wanted to do at the time. Do you ever think back and go, if I had a got first, what would I be doing now? Yeah. yeah. I'd probably, I don't know. I might have even You might be New York there. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is not bad. But I think even then it's like you're often your perception of what that life would be and then you go there. And I met some illustrators who were in that game and I saw them and they were just like just grinding away like job to job. And it, to me it felt like, yeah, that, that wasn't what I was what I was chasing originally was not what I was really after. Kind of even going back to the first stuff with uh, animation. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be the guy at the desk all day. No. Yeah. And it's, it's like a really hard grind. And they're, they're amazing artists. And, and some of them obviously do very well. Like, you know, or a lot of them do very well. But it just didn't really feel authentic to me of what I was trying to do. And then it probably, it, I would always be giving up something. If I did that, I might not do kids' books. If I did that, I might not do murals. You know, like, so... Now, being able to balance that out, I feel like it's worked out in a way that is much more, um, I guess, like exciting for me, but keeps it keeps that fire going. Um, and it's hard to, to do that too, because sometimes you feel like this is what I should be doing. I should be going after this because that's yeah. the, the norm or that's the industry standard mm-hmm. or whatever. So how do you think you have the ability to take a step back from that and think about what is authentic to you and what you actually should be doing? 
It does come down to a little bit of planning and like evaluation every now and then. Like I try to do that every year and just see how the year's gone. Yeah, and right. then just go, what were the projects that I really enjoyed working on and who did I work like working with? And what were the ones that were challenging? But like there's good and bad challenges, right? So you could have a bad challenge that was like, I don't want to work there anymore. And that, there's, there's a red flag against that. Or it could be that was really challenging and I could learn more about that and I want to pursue that. So I do that at, at the end of the year and then that seems to sort of stoke where I'm going for the next year. But I'm almost, I've kind of come right back around to this phase again now where I'm like I've done a, a lot of works and all these things that I wanted to do and, and these industries I wanted to work in. And these, these formats really is like if I wanted to do say um, some motion graphics and projection work and work with a, with a musician – and I did that and it was great and I had a really – it was a really fulfilling project. But now I'm thinking, well, I've kind of come back to this point where I haven't had to really chase that for a while. So I need to like reset again a bit and, and see where it's going for the next few years. Yeah, right. That's yeah. interesting. Have you booked that time away yet to take that or is it yeah, still yeah. coming? Yeah, I'm sort of – we were talking about balance before. Yeah. This is kind of where I'm at now. Okay. It's like I'm just taking a little bit of time. Uh, you know, I was talking with a few other artist mates as well just saying it's a little bit of like a – Treating it like a sabbatical where you go, you might do two years or five years, whatever, and then just go, oh, I need to reset a little bit and reassess goals and where you're going and then just adjust from there. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at. Interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what's next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're talking about variety before, how you initially yeah. saw it as a bit of a, a weakness and then mm-hmm. you realise that's a strength. Um, does that keep you fresh? Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I think that's how... It keeps it challenging too. So right. it day to day it's pretty different for me. Like I if I'm doing an install, like tomorrow I've got to go do some painting and working on an install for an office fit out. And then I might the next day jump into uh, some work for a film, like doing some sort of pre visualization conceptual work. And then I might jump into something else and it's like it and some branding work or whatever. And I like being able to just change it up. It makes it way more interesting for me. And you're pretty good at changing gears like that because I imagine the, yeah. the approach is pretty pretty different for all of those things. Yeah, I think I have to be. I yeah. mean, there's there's a kind of a constant thread. I think the thread is like um, trying to get that narrative and that balance right, like I was saying, of between what I'm looking at versus what the client's looking at and what, what they're looking for and trying to reflect that. But then... Yeah, what, I, what I've noticed as well is that personal work is sort of slid to the side where I'm like, well, what's just doing it for me? And yeah. so that's where I need to get back to, I think. Yeah, I wanted know? to ask you about that. Do you still yeah. do stuff for you? Not really. Yeah. No, I mean, I haven't for a bit. Time's pretty tight now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two kids now. And, you know, just between like family and work and then everything in between, your time gets sucked up pretty quick. But what I have noticed is being like really efficient with that time through the week so that I can just, I used to work heaps at night time and just, I felt like I was just constantly working and burning out a bit. And there's that, that whole, you know, thing with burnout of you sort of chasing your tail and it just never really feels that fulfilling. So I'm pretty good at now like switching that off and going, well, that's like this time to this time is allocated for this. And then allowing creativity within that space and and that's that's really hard to get to that level i was gonna say because early doors is there a fear that if you don't take every job yeah you're not going to have a job you don't know that the phone's going to ring next time yeah is that is that one of the hard points to get to where you can yeah. start to own your time a little bit more yeah i think so i mean i think what i've 
understood over the last probably a few years and getting some perspective particularly from like you know just a few personal things that happened to me was like taking that time out actually sort of refills things a bit and like and fuels you for the next stage so allowing those spaces in between to to it'll it'll keep you way more creative you won't feel so drained and burnt out and uh maybe not worrying about the next thing as much this is all sounding very like floaty you know yeah but (laughs) but maybe not not worrying about where it's coming yeah yeah and, and focusing more on like where i can drive it i guess yeah, figure out the stuff that you can actually yeah. control a little bit. But it's yeah. it's like the concern of those who choose to freelance yeah, and yeah. do their own thing. You know, is the next job going to come in? Yeah, yeah. Is my stuff good enough? Do enough people know? And about I still it? think I think all of that stuff. Really? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe just not to the same level that I used to worry about it. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily worry where the next job's coming in because I think I'm going to go and find it if I don't have it. You've proven you know? to yourself that you can do that. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Just on the the public art and the mural thing mm. at the moment, do you you've done heaps? It's probably hard to to pick, you know, something that might sit on your your Rushmore like one of your faves. <laughs> but are there a few that you always go back to and you go, love walking past that, love what I did there. That was just a great job for me. It's funny that they they resonate for different reasons. They usually resonate f- with me and connect with me because of the install, like the process of actually putting them in. Oh, okay. Or, or the experience of just working on that job, like how the process went for the design. And so, uh, honestly, Gage was is one of those for me because I felt like it was this culmination of um, being in Frio for a long time, feeling I've got a studio here, I, I come past the port on the way to the studio, like I love, this just feels part of my life. And then this was, I, I'd heard that this was setting up and, you know, all of these things just connected and I was thinking, also I've been chasing with my work to make it more and uh, well, not more, but less complex. So it's like I'm, I'm creating sort of uh, this framework where it's getting simplified and simplified and, and I'm getting uh, more efficient with my colour choices and the way that the direction's coming. Like the language that I'm trying to communicate is getting simplified. Mm-hmm. And so this one was a perfect example of like I could have gone really like wild and a bit more detailed, but I was like I just want to create something that's for this space that feels really integrated and so now when I see it, I don't have, I just, I, I'm actually really proud of it. And when I see it, it feels like it's meant to be for that space, which is what I'm trying to create. Yeah. It feels, it feels right there. Yeah. So and what was the, the process for, for that piece? I developed like a bit of a, uh, a process of my own for this over the past, I don't know, a few years doing some public artworks where like I was talking about trying to create this narrative because I think, cause I'm coming from picture books where I'm often like reflecting a text visually I've learned that that's how I'm probably working best is like I like words really inspire visuals for me yeah right so I'll create a story for each project and I'll write it out and then I'll write it and then I'll sort of take those keywords and then that explains that that artwork Um, and that just drives everything for me so for this one I was like I wanted it to reflect the port the coastal vibes, gauge roads, what it's around, like the, the brand palette and everything that you guys have created, but also my own sort of style and sensibilities of being really clean and minimalist and pulling that back out. Um, so that's it was just this combination of all of those. And so I wanted it to feel like stacked containers and, and um, honouring the port, but then have this like real clean sort of surf vibe to it as well. Um, and in selecting the palette, I wanted to think every single colour needed to be like a beautiful tint on a surfboard 
And that's how I, I went through and, and selected where that would be. So it would reflect this classic kind of surf culture as well. And then being right on the water, it was like a good fit for that, I think. Yeah, it's kind of perfect, right? A place yeah. that you used to be around and knew yeah. well, it taps into the surf side of things yeah. that you've you've grown up with um, and in a space that, you know, was, was kind of new and you were aware that was it was happening. It's kind of ticks a few boxes. And I've been inspired by the container ships that are coming in all the time anyway. Like I'm often right. pulling over and, and taking a picture of them because of the nice like split tones of the colours or how the light's hitting it at a particular time. Same with the, the shipping containers and the cranes and everything. So I was like... I just got to bring all that in. So I actually pulled up all the images I've had over the years of taking those snapshots and then brought that back into it. And then looking at just making those big, bold and, and really clean um, decisions with the artwork so that it had this high impact. And then, of course, you got all the lettering, which is like beautiful around here. And I, I'm a massive lettering nerd. So I was like, I'm just going to bring that into it and keep it really clean. And then it was just, I think the process from design with, with the gauge team was just like, I'm just going to put out Cheers Frio because I felt like it was this nice nod to the site and to my experience of Frio. You're, you're in this space, you're sharing it with people and community and I was like, that's that's what we want to reflect. How long did it take? To install? Or yeah. To uh, I think that wall was maybe, it was about a week, like maybe, uh, say eight days maybe, but like just over a week. And the good thing was I allowed, I really wanted this experience of installing to not be this like high pressure situation so i had allowed two weeks of just like let's just see how it goes bit of room to breathe and don't like hustle and and you know rush it just wanted to enjoy coming in every day like riding past the, the port along the river coming down here yeah getting a coffee like taking my time just getting in a site and you know having a few chats with people and like because sometimes you can just go job to job and you've got to get out of there. And to have that time meant that I had a really positive experience with the install too. Yeah, I don't know. Being being here for the, the build, that almost seems like a, a rare experience in getting mm. this place up and running. Those final few weeks where like the race to the finish line was Yeah, there was, was a lot of – yeah, and that, and that happens. There's a, there's a real hustle, but I wanted yeah. to be like – I didn't want to be a slave to that hustle, I guess. Like yeah. I could kind of run on my own grain with it and – and I think that's what, that's probably why I enjoy it so much is like I just have positive vibes from that one. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting that that's your takeaway when you see your work again. You remember the work and the experience yeah. maybe a little bit more than, you know, what, what it actually is. You know, that's and what I appreciate. often, I also remember just the podcasts I'm listening to, the music I'm listening to. Yeah, like wow. It really flavours what it, my perception of it at the end. What do you listen to when you work? Oh man, everything from I listen to a lot of like uh, science stuff and um, heaps of NBA stuff, which is way too much. <laughs> it's it's such a waste of time. But like uh, a lot of NBA, a lot of like just I guess a lot of interviews. I find people really interesting, and so I listen to a lot of interviews from all walks of life. But um, heaps of music, and then it just kind of goes through it. Like I generally have a, a rhythm that happens on site. A bit of news in the morning. And then it goes into some music and then goes into another couple of podcasts and finishes up with some interviews and just to – because it's not it's not lonely but I'm often on site by myself. So yeah. when I'm out, you know, it feels like you've got company when you're just having a chat. You've got that – you feel like you're part of the chat almost, you know? So yeah. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, exactly. If an interview, <laughs> if an interview is going well, like you feel like you're yeah. the third guy at the bar. I know, and I love that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and so it's and you're just on autopilot a lot of the time when you're 
when you're painting. So you just get to like fully immerse yourself in that world, which is cool. I also imagine that when you're in a place, a lot of time there's a lot going on around mm. you as mm. well. So maybe headphones in, does that oh, help yeah, you disconnect you from the angle grinder to yeah, the left yeah. and the sledgehammer to the right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you need that. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise it's like... I actually also just sometimes have the headphones in and I might have finished a podcast or, or like a particular album and I just like let it breathe and I might just have, enjoy some silence and just hear what's going on around to be back in that environment mm. and then just start it back up again. But I often just leave that as a decision and just like you can hear the grinder and you hear all that stuff. You might hear some funny banter too yeah, I reckon, that's on it. some of those sites. You're like, oh yeah, this one here. Like people thought it was <laughs> cheese free over about. Cheese free. Um, they, they were like, cheese? What's cheese about? Yeah, like, you wait. You wait yeah, to yeah, taste yeah. that burrata. It's all going to make sense. <laughs> and only because I couldn't put the R in because the door was there. So I had to wait for that to be finished. So, uh, But yeah, you know, you get that. That's what's cool about the install too. It's just like the relationships that you, you get to. Because you, you're kind of in there for a couple of weeks and then you might not see those people again. So it's, it's cool to just um, meet some new crew and have a chat. and Yeah. yeah. Tap into something that yeah. you otherwise wouldn't have been around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That public art space, obviously for a long time, it's it's been exploding mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing more of it and it obviously adds a lot to its surroundings rather than just a, a blank wall. But where do you see it at, at the moment? Is it still super thriving here in Perth? Um, are there more and more people getting involved in it? Are you talking about murals or like everything in a public art sense? So like you, sculptures and... Well, yeah, what are you yeah. seeing, in, I suppose, more generally in a, a bit of both? Yeah, uh, what, what I am seeing is a, um, it's probably a, a tighter integration from developers, architects, landscape architects, people that are involved in the projects right. of getting public artists on earlier. So less of an afterthought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what I've been trying to do for a long time because having those experiences where there's a circle on a plan where this is where you put your artwork, it feels a bit disconnected. And I think the integration is the key to the success of a project and the, and the sort of the public experience of it in the end. So yeah, I've been, I've been lucky to push that on a few projects and for that to work. And it's often more challenging um, because the, there's lots of other problems that arise from that where you're just sort of shuffling around things and schedules and everything. But then I think the outcome is way more it's obviously more integrated but it's this it's it's like a holistic artwork approach to it and often it off, it offers more opportunities so when I get a public artwork brief or or I'm discussing that early project with a, an architect developer whoever I just want to look for the opportunities and go well look you know you might have nominated this area but I reckon we could extend that language like up that surface it could be this and it often means like they go, oh yeah, we could incorporate that into the ground plane, or it could be this, and you know, and then you're you see things solution. that they don't see, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's what I think my role is in a, is to come in with a, a fresh creative perspective. Yeah, and it might not align with everything that they're doing. So then we just got this like little conversation that's happening about what's possible, and um, you know, I think they do beautiful work. I want to honor their work as well, and, and enhance what they're doing and add to it. Um, and so I've had a few really successful projects with those that I think are successful anyway, where it's been integrated and uh, the, the outcome's way better, you know. And then the experience for the public and how they, how anybody's experiencing that site is way more integrated, yeah. Has being around that given you more of an interest in things like building and architecture yeah. and those type of areas? Yeah, I reckon 
I didn't know that I was as into architecture then, you know, uh, if, if I probably was to do this again, I probably would go and study to be an architect. Yeah, right. Hey, there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I don't know, maybe I'd be boxed in because it's very strict and it's, it's a different world. Um, it's maybe not as creative as I think it might be. But um, I, I appreciate, massively appreciate that. And I massively appreciate the built form and the landscape and how it, I think my appreciation of how to integrate all of those areas now and then how can I sort of thread through that and create something that really enhances that space. That's what I'm most interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Are there people that um, you go back and work with a lot more often now? Uh, are you finding that mm. it's, yeah, there's, there's a, I don't know, a string of people that, that will often reach out to you and you're kind of in line with their projects now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, that's that's the goal, I think, is that you have a positive experience and they have a positive experience working with me and then yeah. they want to do more and they want to see more and then maybe when they're, my idea is that then when they're starting up a new project, they might think, well, I wonder if what I might be able to add to it and then they might bring me in early and then we start having those discussions early and think about the opportunities. And But, yeah, I mean, personally as well, I, I have people that I want to go back and work with and the teams that I build up for some of these projects where I've got, you know, a sound designer or a motion designer or, uh, you know, a system designer that I work with quite often um, – and, and build a team and go, well, this is how we can extend that. Because I, I know I don't know everything at all. Like, I don't – and it's understanding my limitations and going, well, if I want to integrate lighting into this project, for example, I need a motion designer who – I can come up with the, the vision and the direction for it, but I need somebody to add and enhance that in their own way. So Yeah, that's interesting. Is that is that something that's been – that's come later, that uh, interest in, like, the, the direction of maybe an overall yeah. project rather than just your bit? Yeah, and it's – I think that's just challenges again and it started with the the Perth Stadium project really where we we worked at the Perth Stadium and, and I was invited to submit a concept for it and or, or an expression of interest um, and I just went hard for it. I was like, this would be really cool. It could be, uh, you know, I dabbled a bit in like projection mapping in a couple of different fields that I think could in- integrate back into that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we just pitched hard and we're lucky enough to, to get through that process and, and awarded the commission and we learned heaps across the project. But you build a team for that and um, as a team you approach it. It's sort of like an umbrella of our vision and creating that narrative again and then executing across all the team, yeah. So when was that? Uh, that was – so when was the stadium? Like 20 – 2018. Yeah, 20 yeah. – we were probably working on that. 2016 2017 oh, so that was in the lead up to the opening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we yeah definitely we were like hustling hard to wow get yeah yeah that's huge and what what was it that you did and put together so we did like a it was a big underpass in between the two train stations and so we had um it was huge like a really big space to fill and so it was myself and a, and a mate who's a landscape architect who had a really who has a great awareness of like spatial awareness and everything and uh, we were just talking. It was just conversations we were having about how could we work together. And then this brief came along where they were just like putting out an expression of interest. Uh, and we said, well, I think public artwork is the outcome for, you know, how I can be involved and you can be involved. What could we do? And then we like, we could put sculptural work on the ceiling and then we could, we could light it all up and then we could animate that lighting and then we could in – wouldn't it be amazing if there was sound in that tunnel and, and then we could control the sound and what if it's triggered by people moving through that? And then we just started thinking bigger and bigger and bigger of all the opportunities. And so that's basically what we created was 
a space that you walk through and it feels like it reacts to you. Yeah, um, wow. And so it plays these, these um, you know, kind of sonic experiences that happen based on the time of day that you're, you're going and then also sort of react to the environment. So if it's a game night, you know, it'll be a different sequence that plays and then there's lighting that swings and moves through that. So it almost feels like the sound, we call it sound and colour, it's almost like the sound and the colour are sort of working together. How cool. Yeah. Is that still in place? Or was yeah, that yeah, it's permanent artwork. So yeah, right. So it's like I think my goal with those is just to create really immersive artwork experiences that are permanent, that are in the space for it, you know. So And then I used my own painted treatment experience. So we, we painted the whole tunnel, just me and my mate who was involved in the project as well, Tom. And uh, painting that was like that was probably the hardest install I've had to do because it was just so difficult and precise and all of that. Um, so yeah. we we painted the whole thing under there, uh, which sort of is a vehicle for the light and the color and everything to work in around that integration. Yeah. So everything, everything yeah, it's, it's all in each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those are the they're fun. They're really long and they're really hard, but they're like you know they're great opportunities to learn because you, you just make heaps of mistakes and you're working with big building companies and developers and everything where they've got their own agenda and schedule and you're sure. slotting into that you're part of that yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so you you're very aware of that bigger system at play um which i like i like being able to sort of work into a team yeah do you do you learn something on almost every job i think so yeah yeah um yeah even if it's like <laughs> i don't want to do that again <laughs> but yeah that's yeah. a pretty important takeaway yeah, yeah you do and like it's even funny when you have that time from it you know where um, finish up a project and you maybe thought it was like really hard at the end and it just became a grind uh, and and maybe some of that like initial creative spark and that juice is gone and yeah. then you feel like you're really squeezing it and then you go and you kind of revisit it in a month or you see it as a finished product or something and then you go yeah that was like actually quite good and the experience was good and I feel like the outcome's good it's like you, I think you're only feeling that way because you care about it Sure. You know, if you didn't care about it, I would be checked out of every project. So. I imagine there are those yeah. like mental stages with the bigger jobs, probably with every job, but you know, mm. there's the enthusiasm oh, at the, yeah. the beginning, there's the challenging bits, and then there's like, you know, the the really finite attention to detail parts at the end. Oh, you're man. like, Oh god, I wish this was finished now. Oh, it's like a it's that classic saying, but it, it is like fully a marathon the public artwork projects because it's just ups and downs. You're doubting yourself all the time. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you're figuring out some solution. And then you're reviewing a plan with a particular fixing bolt that's like so minute on the whole project. And you're like, you get bogged down in the detail and you need, you just need to keep that bigger picture and sort of, um, that, that's what's cool is you, you focus on all the tight details. Then you get to the end and you get to see the bigger picture as it's in, which yeah. is great. Yeah. You talked about the process for the creative side and, and how that comes together. I thought it was really interesting when you're talking about words really kicking things off. Mm. What about the, the process for the actual work? Has that, has that changed and, and how, does that, how do you do that? You mean installing the yeah, work? Yeah. yeah. Like if, I mean, when you're looking at a big blank wall, mm -hmm. what's point one? So you're looking for the opportunities of the wall again. Like every wall has its own grid, has its own structure so it could be the imperfections of it it could be brick and so you're noticing like how many bricks are in there and you know things that you got to work around and then it's whether you can incorporate that into the design or if like are you going to fight it or embrace it right uh and then it, like you can paint on anything it's just how hard it's going to be and then that dictates like if it's a really rough wall rough surface then 
that dictates the amount of detail you can have in it, for example. You could do it if you wanted to. It just might take you forever. But it's also about impact. So you really need – that's what I love about murals is you're thinking about the experience of the artwork because it's in that public space. So there's no point doing something that's so detailed and then when you step back, you look at it and go, I can't even see that. It's all lost. no point. Yeah, you're you're designing to scale. So we we had a funny experience. I was painting a water tank in Karatha and, you know, it's meant to be viewed from a a massive distance, like in the town basically looking up to the hill. And I had two other mates that came up, Andrew and Luke, and they were helping install it with me. And I was up there at the end of the day. I was like I just lost my mind. I was like in this groove of painting and there was this tiny line and I was trying to get it right with a brush and I was just used to like getting things clean, maybe just for my own satisfaction. And then I just looked down and Andrew was just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, he's like, he's like, Nobody cares. Like, no one's going to see that. No, that's and not then, how this is going to be viewed. Yeah, then yeah. you're like, oh, i got to switch this up. Like this install is not how it needs to go. And, you know, then you get really good with a roller of, like, you basically do the rest of it, just clean edges with a roller. And it probably is, like, imperfect when you're up close to it, but no one's ever going to see it up close. Yeah. And, and so then it is, it is actually very tight. Like, I made it very clean because it was just for myself. But, like, if you see it from a distance, that's where the viewing perspective is. So you need to think about the intention of the work. I you guess. were just too deep. You, I you was were in down the, groove, the rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah. I was probably right in like a climate change podcast or something. I was like about that. to say, like, what were you listening to at the time? Yeah. <laughs> something I think deep I was from NPR very or something. Deep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you were talking about simplicity too. Mm-hmm. Was it, is it a challenge to get to a point where you embrace simplicity and you're not trying to do everything that you possibly can with your work yeah i reckon that's um that just comes with experience and then confidence i think right like uh i guess you've got this it's almost like having that conviction with your work where you're like this intention and i know that i want it to be simple and this is what i would like it to be and just sort of standing by that and then if you can explain and you can rationalize those decisions then i think it's it's fine um, but yeah, it takes. It took me ages to just get the confidence to go. I felt like I was always fighting being more detailed or like going the other way, and then understanding. I did a, a, a talk in Sydney where it was just for this um, this group show that I was doing, and there was another artist who I loved his work, um, a friend of mine, Bill, and he was like, "Oh, I do everything where I try to put as much into a scene," and it just clarified for me like I do the opposite. Like I'm trying to pull everything out. I'm actually trying to communicate as simply as possible so that it feels like it's a bit more authentic for me. So it made, when I, when I spoke about that and I saw his approach, I was like, yeah, yeah, I think that's what I need to do. How perfect to have you both there. I know, Bill was great. And yeah. Bill's work is so detailed and you want to, it's like that thing where you want to see it on the page and you want to take like ages to look at it and, and really sit with it. And then I was like, yeah, I kind of like that, but I want to I kind of communicate a vibe, yeah. like an atmosphere that is for that project as well. You're telling stories in different ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was cool and like maybe people like mine and maybe people like his and that's fine that's what art's about i think cool that you like his stuff though do you oh know what i love mean? it yeah, like yeah. It's, well because i'm gonna appreciate it, it. anything yeah. that i don't do i'm like oh how'd you do that you know, yeah it's amazing does it get tougher and tougher to find creativity that's a pretty interesting and deep question as well is like where like how do you replenish that and where does it come from and yeah i think it comes back to the the influences and your interests and if you're trying to bring those back into your work I've, I've found as well that um, being around water, it like really gives me inspiration. 
I think that's a common thing. I think a lot of people have that. But like even if you're having a shower or something, I find like often, often ideas come to me when I'm sort of in water. Yeah. And if I'm going for a surf or I'm going for a swim, it often like just sparks something. And maybe that's like a clarity where I've, my mind's been able to go away from it or something. But um, so I generally will try to stoke it with those. Like I used to just, you'd, you'd go, I need to get a concept done like today and then realise that's not really how it works. Like you might force it. So I've learnt to not force it and allow a bit of space for it to come to you a little bit, but just still like go through that process of like creating a story and like finding some words that are really resonating with me and just finding ways to to be creative with that project. Yeah, yeah. there's something about the shower. So many people say that. Yeah, I don't. It's just like once I I figure that out, I was just like, yeah, yeah. So just take some time in there and like just having just five showers a yeah, day. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a clean man. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. You've got a few things going on at the moment as well, and like this really ties into what you're talking about with variety because mm-hmm. there's a new um, public art um, piece that you've just wrapped up mm-hmm. and it's just opened, and then there's also like another book that's just been released mm-hmm. as well. So it kind of ties in nicely to that yeah um, yeah what, what's been going on so uh this public art project was this one with uh in mandra where right. we had been working with the city of mandra for it's honestly been about four years in the making wow and it was on the back of the stadium job uh and the project there where we built the team again we had the same team from the stadium and said well look we got offered um from a few of our suppliers actually said you should go for this one like some lighting guys we worked with they said you know i think this would be good um, and we went for it and we had a strong concept and learnt so much across the project and had all these ups and downs for all kinds of reasons and different delays on the project, but really happy and proud with the work at the end, which is it, like a big freestanding sculptural work um, that you can immerse yourself in. It's got lighting and sound that plays through it and kind of it's got these sensors in there that react to people and the audience being in there. And we got to use old pylons from, from this old bridge that they demolished. Oh, how good. Uh, and so we got to take all those reclaimed timbers and mill them down and create seating with those and all of that stuff is really like it's all it's problem solving but if you're working to a strong narrative you just everything kind of works off off of that um and then on the complete other side of that so that launched late last year and um was really thrilling to see that the audience and that we had in mind for it like then you've got the public just interacting with the work and that's what's cool about that's it. That's interesting. So that's meeting place. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it was different when you saw people yeah, down yeah. there for the first time. It it's was a funny. bit surprising. Yeah, you might have like I remember we were just doing some um, sound and lighting testing uh-huh. when the system was live and we'll we'll tune it in over a number of nights. That's where we're kind of calibrating the whole artwork and making it get in sync. And some kids, when the the fences went down, these kids came down and were just like jumping on the steppers. And one of the kids said like, oh, this is pretty much the best view ever. And it was like, it's obviously, it's not just for him. (laughs) Like the artwork, it's for everyone. But I was like, you kind of forget sometimes when you're on a project that long that it's going to be enjoyed by people and everyone's going to have their own perspective and unique experience of that. And, And he was like, listening to the audio and, and seeing the lighting as well and just was like it's it's like this feeling for kids particularly of just like magic of like how the hell do they do that and we're trying to conceal everything and make it so that it just feels really like in sync and immersive and integrated you so want people to be in it not trying to figure out yeah, like yeah. what's going on yeah. yeah so when they see that it's like yeah this does feel good like i don't really know why but it does and that's what you feel when you go into a space that you like you know yeah so that must be the most satisfying bit, right? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we love about it. Um, so you have to kind of keep that in mind that at the end of it, there's going to be 
this little reward. And then I guess the flip side of that is working on a picture book, um, which was a long project as well. And this is like a, it's called Wild Australian Life and it's all about um, exploring the diversity and the beauty of Australian animals. Right. Um, and so it's written by like a, a Australia's leading expert in the field in nonfiction books on animals, on Australian animals, um, named Len Cronin. And then I got partnered up with the publisher to, to put that together and illustrate it. And it was what a project I've always wanted to do actually is like usually with a picture book, you, you know, you get to explore it across a narrative and it's um, – certain number of pages, whatever. This was just like way more meat on the bone. Like I could illustrate like marine mammals and I get to do like a full spread where you get to enjoy them. And I used to love those books as a kid. So yeah. And now now my kids, um, like Ollie loves it. He gets to just – he was part of the process too where I get him to see some of the concepts and like what what should we add in here. And Ollie the art director. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he was in. You got the audience just at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so – it's funny, I kind of treat them as a little... I know it is for a bigger audience, but I like to make them for them as well, where yeah. I'm like, this will be a cool experience for us to share. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a great one. So I'm, I'm super proud of that one, and it's out in the world now. So, What was the toughest animal to create? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to think of that. I did like a lot of blue-ringed octopuses in that because it's just a fascinating animal, but I learned heaps on it too. Um, yeah, you, you I learned so much. I know everything. Animals. I'll be yeah. like, you know what's an amazing animal? The platypus. <laughs> You're just like fact guy. Every time you see your mates at the oh, pub, yeah. new animal facts. Yeah, and it just pisses off my wife probably. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of these stories. But yeah, I think uh, like – it's funny when you have an animal that is tricky. Actually, dingo, the dingo was quite hard to get right. Yeah, but, okay. um, usually I just get a style and then once I've got that, that palette set, I just get to kind of explore across it. And then it's just working with layouts and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that process. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's on your walls at home? Yeah, not, not a lot actually. It's pretty, that's interesting. <laughs> it's pretty clean. Yeah. Um, I do have a few artworks around, none, none of my own really. No. Um, yeah, I just like to collect uh, other works if I can and then um, pretty clean. Yeah, it's a pretty minimalist space, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and that's just the vibe that my wife, Lisa, and I've created, I guess, to be a bit more clean and sparse and, um, yeah, lots of plants. That's my general vibe in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe that could be the next book, you know, yeah. looking something into the plant world. Oh, yeah, I would yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking for the next nonfiction project as well to do something like that and just explore other animals and spaces. And I just think the natural world's just so good to be working in that space. Yeah, yeah something with some water, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, thanks for coming down again and for having a yarn. It's yeah. cool to hear about the journey and also the process and how you've figured it all out. And, um, yeah, we look forward to after you have that little time just to chill figuring out what's next. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, good man. To I appreciate it. Take care. Legend. That's Living the Dream by Gage Rhodes. Gage is an indie brewer just out of Frio in WA that's all about going after it and having an epic time with a few brews. Check them out at gagerhodes.com.au. Thanks again for having a listen. Subscribe so you don't miss an app. Share it with your mates. Chuck us a rating. And get in touch if there's someone you want to hear from on the potty. I'm Jamie Burnett. Cheers. <laughs>